Okay, let's start. Or should I just... See? Introductions are hard. Okay, today's topic, we are going to talk about budgeting. Budgeting in the sense of finance, where we discuss why do we budget, how do you budget, how it has evolved over the years, and what are the changes that we make throughout the years. And then we'll end off the conversation by key giving you key takeaways and lessons learned. So, first question first, Danny. Why do you budget? And what is budgeting? Oh, I, I think you're Mr. Dictionary, so maybe you can tell me what the definition of budgeting is. Okay. So, a lot of people, I think, confuses uh, budgeting and saving. Budgeting is a plan to help you save. Saving is usually just putting money away. And a budget is a spending plan. So this is the main difference between just saving money and budgeting. It is a plan. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> okay, now that you know that, do you budget? Yes, I have things I want to buy. I would say I'm probably the opposite of a minimalist, so I'm a maximalist. So yeah, I have a, I do budget. Probably the main thing I budget for are stuff that I need to achieve or want to achieve sort of like either I can't get immediately so I'm not talking about small things I'm talking about slightly bigger things in terms of purchases um, so things like shopping I would budget for but I wouldn't budget for every single item on the grocery list but um, yes I do have a budget so do you budget? Yes uh, as an accountant <laughs> certainly budgeting is in my blood and we will cover more ways on how do you exactly budget I'm not quite sure whether the opposite of a minimalist is maximalist. What is the opposite then? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I never heard of that word. But I get your point that yeah, if you have uh, lots of things to buy, then definitely you need a budgeting plan. Cool. And probably best to say like this is not in your professional capacity and uh, you're not given any legal advice and etc. Cetera, et cetera, right? Yes, definitely. So this one is just for personal take on budgeting and for personal finance. We're not covering anything that is uh, related to work. If I start off then, the way I budget tends to be done generally through software, which I'll, I can cover and go into. I think it, most things kind of fall into three categories. I've got an emergency budget or rainy day fund, if that makes sense. I have savings and then I have goals or things that I want to achieve and buy, which then I put a budget in place to help me achieve those goals where I can. So those are the kind of three categories I have. The rainy day fund, it's almost like protecting myself from things like if I get laid off or I lose my income or if something happens to my partner those types of things and that is split between my own sort of like rainy day but we also have a joint account so we also have put together a joint sort of rainy day fund and that's budgeted by how much we take out of our income and then set aside to a certain level so that we have like a almost like a threshold of saying this is what we aim for to keep available just in case and then if we need to tap into that, then we also have a threshold for when it's like, yeah, it's okay, you've touched it a bit, it will gradually fill back up. But otherwise, it may, but if it falls below that, then we may need to contribute additional funds to make bring it back up to kind of like the minimum bar. 
So that's my kind of rainy day fun. Have you got any comments on that? Yeah, your rainy day fun, I think, is a very key element in budgeting. Because, like I said, in this pandemic situation, uh, there's a lot of uncertainties that we covered on the previous episode. And for budgeting-wise, it's interesting to see that you have quite uh, set up guidelines or principles around the, how you budget. And then what was a communication and issue when you lay out those kind of budgeting principles? Uh, it wasn't an issue. I think we both knew we had to have some sort of rainy day fund. I think that the conversation really kicks in when you discuss how much and what those thresholds are. I would probably say that is negotiable and also changes over time. So I wouldn't. Tr I would try and put that across as a this is what we should set it to now and what we should try and achieve or and that sort of thing. But it's also a constant review because it's also that constant improvement and adaptation to your situation. Yeah, I think when you say the constant adaptation is a lot of people, when they think about budgeting, they think about the sensitive issue around money and they, they don't feel like talking about it, especially when the, the plan does not work or when there is a lack of financial cap uh, resources. Yeah, and over time that has changed for us. So as an example, when I first got my job, it was off the back of the last recession, which was in 2008. So it wasn't exactly like brimming with hope and <laughs> opportunities either. And that was the same with my partner. So it, it was tough times. We, we, we were sensible with it. And if we couldn't put something away, even if it was, it's kind of like that saying of um, uh, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after himself. It's as soon as you start saving, whether that's, for a rainy day or pension or anything, the compounding interest would uh, make it so much more worthwhile over time. But you, the main thing is that you get started. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, the main thing is you get to get to start the saving habit, and also ha having a budgeting plan will definitely help you to to have 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 this good habit. And like you said, it is good to speak to a partner about it, and then constantly adapt to it. I think these are some things that we already know, but why do you think a lot of them, people out there, are not doing it? I, I don't want to criticize other people because they may be in different circumstances and situations. What I boil it down to is having that open dialogue with the other person. Understanding each other is really key and also discipline. So if one of you are saving and the other one isn't, it makes it unfair. It does cause tension. So it's, again, the ability to have that open conversation and honest conversation with each other to help at least move that along. And even if you can't agree on something, it's, it's, it's that compromise in a relationship that you need to try and strive for. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's a key thing is hopefully you're in that type of relationship where you can have those conversations. Yeah, for myself, it, when I started work back then as well, I when I was training uh, as an uh, a, a full fully qualified accountant, so I need to budget for my tuition fees. 
so that is where I need to calculate in advance how much does this cost will cost in total and also like my monthly expenses back then when I was a part-time student and also a contract worker that is where I need to manage my finances in uh, well because of, due to the financial resourcing constraint and student debts nowadays are very common thing amongst like the high tuition fees and uh, low internship income or yeah so I would definitely suggest this kind of uh, habit to kickstart as uh, soon as possible when you you are younger but that does not mean that if you are much more mature you don't have this habit you can still speak to your partner or you, you can speak to your friends to help you to get, get started with this uh, budgeting habit uh, if I skip the middle one and go straight to the I have goals and plans and stuff like that that is a very I think that's back to again discipline but also what you want as an example I like cars they are not cheap but it's also going back to other things like renting or housing they're also not cheap so those are the types of things that you need to look out for and I would generally compartmentalize those into goals so if I wanted to be able to move out for example of my um, the place I'm living at now then those goals are time bound and also you you should be able to get enough information to understand how much you need to aim for as well. So those th types of things are relatively easy to set out to aim for. But I think it's the achieving it part is probably the harder bit um, to try and get there. Yeah, I agree with what you say. And this, I find it especially hard at the start when you only have like a certain amount and then you realize like what is the point of uh, budgeting when you only have this much of amount but i realize it is the habit that that grows into you that is important just for example that setting aside 10 to 20 percent of your income or salary into investment port or contribution to your family so this kind of a uh, percentage allocation of your budget like you have mentioned, maybe percentage of your uh, savings go to your uh, purchasing of your future car. So if you work with those numbers and, and then like you have mentioned, those numbers will work for you in the end. Yeah, and it, it's very measurable and you can kind of see how far you're progressing as well. So to me, it's a an immediate feedback with how far you are with your goal and what you need to do to get there as well and what what the gap is whereas something like a rainy day fund that's slightly more i don't know not concrete per se so it's it's a hard one it's like do you over commit or do you under commit and then how do you test those types of scenarios as well so whereas the the goal one i think it's very easy to see the progress of it so you can get some sort of stimulus from seeing how far you're getting and how far you're off and also plan for that as well so yeah i mean i've mentioned mine so do you, how do you budget i think before we cover that i think you raised a point about having the visual because if you have this in in your head sometimes that you you lost track of the numbers so when you when you mentioned like how do i budget i i like it visual 
like for example I, I like charts and uh, figures and those kind of uh, reconciliation table that I, I learned from my accounting studies so I do monthly reconciliation back then on Excel whereby I will be able to see like how much I budgeted versus uh, actual spend and then each expenses category are, are being uh, allocated for example like groceries or entertainment or tuition fees or or just support for like you say the rainy days and just now when you mentioned the rainy days according to the online wisdom it says that the usual or the ideal situation on a number of months is actually six months of expenses being covered in just in case you, your income stops have you heard of the six month rule i actually follow it so i also believe in trying to make sure and maintain as my personal rainy day fund a, a six month income as a buffer because if you think along the lines of recruitment it will take normally at least a month if not more to try and find somewhere go through the interview process uh, even down selections all the way through to making a job offer even once you've made the if even if you've made an offer and you accept it there's then background checks and that takes time and also procuring equipment and stuff like that again allowing another month so you're already two months out your six months down so then that gives you four months to find a place to uh, find another job to or some way to supplement your income so it, it to me i that six month kind of guiding principle makes sense to me and that's why try and aim for as well yep wait is this six month income or six months ex expense i'm sure it's income but i thought it would make more sense to to achieve for six months of expenses <laughs> i follow the six months income because that's that, that's a something that i'm hoping you're not living beyond your means ah, okay. and so therefore if you're comfortable and able to pay off any expenses you have now with your salary if you're not living beyond your means and you're living within your means then hopefully if you budget for the income then your expenses will be covered within those six months as well so yeah so that's the way i see it i guess you could do it the other way but i've not tried it to be honest okay no problem i think that's just a brief benchmark for those that thinking about rainy days and how to budget for rainy days okay yeah and i would say like in terms of rainy day and expenses wise you can always look at it and say what can you cut like truly cut and even if you're living comfortably or fortunate to be even living excessively then if something does happen and you have that uh, if you work towards your income, a you know what you're, or I hope you know what you're getting in terms of a salary or whatever income you're getting um, per monthly basis, and that's easy to then work work out how much you need to save uh, based on that. And then expenses wise, that changes, and also you can hopefully cut things out to reduce that. So then your six months could be seven, eight months sort of thing. So things like, do you really need? I don't know your subscription to your cloud hosting provider or stuff like that do you need your online storage at this time I, I get what you mean so does budgeting require a cost reduction exercise I, I'm quite a data whore so I love seeing data so I also categorize the income expenditure 
so that I can then categorize the, the typical makeup of my spend as well as the income I get. Based on that, I can then see things like how much was budgeted for groceries, as an example, and then how much was actually spent in that category for that, usually a month because I'm salaried, and then check to see whether it was under or over um, my budget. And then that could be an indicator to say, oh, I'm under, what happened there? Or, oh, I'm over. I really need to take a look at that and say, see what's kind of gone on in the last month. For example, maybe COVID-19. Okay, I get, I, I get your point. So I guess for myself in that aspect, I also set a, like a benchmark in terms of uh, each expense category. I budget for like how, and estimate how much I want to spend or I think I spend on that category and then compare as previously mentioned compared to the actual and then see what is the variance. And then that is where I decide like is this a expense category that I, I can cut on? Is this something that uh, is uh, necessary, is a fixed cost? For example, rent might be fixed cost for for the 12 months is very hard to budge unless you start really seriously thinking on saving your rent then then you you know you you need to make make up plans for it or prepare to move to another place so it's a uh, categorizing the cost comparing like a fixed versus a variable cost and prioritizing like like you have mentioned if those kind of uh, expenses are uh, you might be spent overspending then that is where you need to be truthful to yourself is that where you can uh, stop the leaking of your financial resources and put it somewhere else so how many categories do you have in total i do not i do not actually count them but actually if you go to any excel template on budgeting they will usually have a at more than 10 you can keep it as simple as uh, less than 10, but usually it's more than 10. Yeah. So do you go with the complicated one with more than 10 or do you go with the simple one? From the start, I go with the more detailed one because I was very enthusiastic about budgeting and then I <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure that entertainment and then uh, bills, uh, even uh, groceries, uh, contribution, family contribution, all these are very um, detailed. And then after a few years, then I realized that uh, I have a feeling or a rough estimate on those figures because it does not fluctuate that much. I'm able to track them mentally. That is where I I do not go, go that much into the details if I know that there's not much variance in that area. That's quite interesting because I feel the same way. I generally update my budgets and categorize them on a monthly basis. Um, so I use a tool called Money Dance. It's a paid for tool. However, I think there's like a free version that gives you a certain amount. It's very clunky because it's not. it doesn't link into anything online, in at least in the UK, because I think it's a made in a, an American company. Whereas before, I used to use Microsoft Money. And that was brilliant because back in those days, it was able to import specific types of files from your online bank. And some of them even had connectors that allowed you to automatically import your 
account transactions into the software so then you just had to categorize them and stuff like that but yeah unfortunately i think microsoft discontinued microsoft money after 2008 version i think it was um so that's why i moved on to money dance but money dance yeah so it's clunky in that way and it but it i track it still to this day in with categories of i think it's over 100 approximately however I, I'd still have the same feeling. It's like it takes me approximately an hour a month to import, categorize, potentially do some analysis, but that, that varies depending on month to month. From a time perspective, an hour a month, is that a lot? Some people would probably say yes, just for looking at, uh, for importing, categorizing the transactions. However, I've been doing this now for probably five years in Money Dance or more. And it's it's okay so far, but it does give me ability to go back through the history and see the fluctuations and changes of um, where I spent in those categories. So as an example, I know for a fact that our groceries, um, we, not only do we, did we talk about this, but when we first moved out and started working, we had a budget of, between the two of us, 50 pounds, I think it was 50 pounds a month. That was tough. And then as time went on, it's it's grown um, since then. And also we've got a family now. So the, the amount we spend is increased. And then you want to look at things like healthy, fresh options. And that increases even more. So I can see the general trend over spending on groceries has gone from very small when we first got our first job and moved out all the way through to now, where it's, um, I think we budget around about 400 a month for the four of us. I think that's probably increased now because of COVID-19. Okay. I think some expenses can be quite inevitable. And like you say, the groceries and you track them. It is interesting that you pointed out how the tools changes and the situation, you adapt to the situation over time. And one thing that you pointed out, spending an hour on that app alone seems to me is uh, is okay as a start. But like you say, after a few years, it should be getting faster than that. And I guess we are also talking about how has the tool evolved. So back then, just now when I mentioned I was using Excel, so I move on to the app called Money Lover, whereby it is uh, pretty much similar like um, budgeting for each expense category, but everything is on an app. It's, uh, it's not automated in the sense that it is uh, you need to pay premium to get connected to your banking account. So that was, uh, I think, one or two years ago when I installed the app. However, I think nowadays, uh, banking apps themselves, like you see Revolut, Monzo, they have a budgeting option themselves. I think you also mentioned to me there was an app that unify all these uh, banking apps together for budgeting, right? Yeah, so I think probably just touch on that evolution of applications. I think, at least in the UK, Monzo has had a major disruption factor to the existing banks to the point where I believe one of the tweets by, I think it was the, the RBS group, had actually ripped off Monzo's app um, and then reskinned it to how potentially the future RBS group's app would look like. To the and then <laughs> it was funny because I think then the CEO responded to that image and said, "Oh, by the way, yeah, whoever that person's on your screen, um, in your image, on your mock-up, is actually an employee of Monzo, 
and um, also you forgot to take this bit out so we know you've copied it kind of thing oh no <laughs> so... i think that there's such a such a funny story but it's yeah it's hilarious but they took it in a, a good spirit and said like yeah um was it imitations as the best form of flattery so uh i think they've had a massive influence in what i call the sort of like traditional banks and in in terms of what they've done and they've only been going from strength to strength from from when i first started when i had the the beta card and then all the way through to now where they do have more budgeting features it is getting more complicated in terms of the ui and stuff like that but it does help people with things like savings and things like pension b integrations and stuff like that so it's it's quite an interesting move towards helping people budget for that um, and then they're also looking at things like social responsibility in terms of social lending and stuff like that so i think they've they've had a massive change and a massive influence over the traditional banks the reason i mention this is monzo is just one bank the problem is is like i have and i think most people nowadays have more than one bank and trying to keep track of your budgets across those different banks can be quite tricky so this is where something like money dance would import from any sources of where you have your money whether that's you entering in manually or you importing the, the transactions yourself so then you've got a single view and your budgets can then overlay on top of any of your accounts um, since then i've discovered an app called emma and it's an app only so i don't have a there's no windows or mac version of it however it's pretty good it does do automatic imports using the open banking api um, and pull in all of the transactions on a periodic basis you do really have to trust these banks because another one that does something similar that i've encountered with money dashboard uh, they're like a scottish company i believe who's also done something similar online where you can enter your login details and it will go in and automatically import the transactions from your bank um at that at that time they didn't have the open banking apis then so there are these apps out there and i'm experimenting currently with emma because it does do that automatically and and then it also ping up alerts to say like oh you've gone over your budget for groceries or something like that it's a lot easier to do it because i'm not spending an hour on emma trying to import my transaction because it does it for me and then the the main thing i have to do is make sure that the budgets that i set are valid and review those and also categorize the ones that are incorrectly categorized so it does do sort of like a historical categorization so if you said for example this transaction with the name abc is actually entertainment then it would automatically learn that and then apply the same categorizations to any future transactions I think the biggest thing I got from the Emma stuff is not just the time saving, but what how it classifies uh, or what it calls subscriptions, which are any reoccurring expenses. And it has a view of those of what they look like um, in terms of a report. And it's, yeah, quite shocking once you look at all of those types of spend versus your non-reoccurring ones. And, and therefore that is your almost like baseline expenses each month as well and there are other bits and pieces in there but i would at the moment recommend emma as a good start to save you in terms of budgeting and things like that but it mainly is also because it's automatic so it's not like you have to have that behavior to and discipline to import all your transactions like i'm doing on money dance 
there are flaws with it so i'm still doing both at the same time but the emma stuff is quite quick and easy to the point where i don't really have to do much in terms of time investing to set that up okay just to just to make sure that we are not getting any sponsor from any of these third-party apps we are just sharing based on the consumer point of view and how it eases our life of budgeting in terms of uh when you spoke about Emma, one of the concerns probably pop out of my mind is, is it secure? Do you think that someone can use a backdoor to hack into the system and retrieve your bank account details? Yeah, it's one of those things that, this is what I mean, you have to have trust. It's, it's the same thing with, I think, quite a lot of things at the moment. So things like do you trust Apple or do you trust Google with your data? Because if you're not paying for the product or service, then you are the product. There are billions of people that are using Gmail, for example, without paying. And I think in terms of Emma, it's the same thing. They give There's a free version of that that gives you, I would say, 90% of what people would need in terms of um, the features for Emma to do things like budgeting and it does the automatic imports. There's no limits on number of accounts. However, you, you have to bear in mind that it's all that I wouldn't be surprised if they were using that data aggregated so that they can then track and see what the income and expenses habit are of certain people because they would have your name, they would have your geographic location, so they can then use that as analytics for, I don't know, other things. Again, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. I do pay for the Pro one because the Pro one does unlock certain features I like. So things like adding custom categories. I love that. Being able to actually edit your transactions that are imported. So sometimes, for example, if you put a check into your account, I know who use checks nowadays, but don't get me started on that. It comes up with just some random number or some random um, predefined sort of like name when you put a check in. But I would like to rename that to uh gift from or birthday money or something like that so uh there is a paid element to it but there's also a free element to it and i wouldn't be surprised if you're making money from using the analytics in some shape or form so there is that trust element that the company isn't going to do bad things on it but also these companies i think hopefully they know this but it's they are riding on that trust of people's data in order to get people using it as well and in terms of security, they're using the Open Banking API, which is a, a current account standard in the UK now. So if there is a security concern, unless something happens to the company itself, then that API is a standard thing across UK anyway. Well, looks like the data security and and around this area can be covered in a separate topic. I think so. Again, there's a lot of trust in it, but it's also just make sure you look in do your research into the company itself as well as to things like how do they make the money and things like that and i think we covered the in terms of the tools what kind of changes would you make or attempt to make if you were to say start budgeting again i think i think it's the typical thing that people tell you to do which is save early so that you've you build up that savings later on i'm, I'm glad that i've I have the uh, self-discipline to save. I, I'm also glad that my partner is probably more frugal than I am. So they there are already on board with things like saving and stuff like that. I think what 
I would potentially change would be how I categorize it so I don't spend as much time into the budgeting side and the categorizations and then looking back at it because although I collect a lot of data by categorizing down to a quite granular level and detail it's also I don't use that data enough to warrant the time I spend doing it and that's why something like Emma which has I think I I said in Money Dance there's like over 100 categories and I use quite a lot of them as well (laughs) and I've also added some to them as well and in in Emma's terms it's quite basic so in terms of the categories and that's why I I wanted to pay to get additional categories but even then I've still got probably maybe 10 15 max and because it's quite automatic with things like weekly reports on what you've spent and stuff like that I don't feel that I'm missing the granular level of detail that I am putting into something like money dance so I would probably change that in terms of how much time I do spend putting it but I'm, at this point I'm invested in it so I'm, I'm going to keep it consistent and carry carry on going with it but I'm also exploring sort of these apps I think with the open banking stuff is is really good way forward I just wish they would open this standard up to not just current accounts and to other types of accounts so investments and savings for example to allow other types of accounts to be automatically imported and open to consumption of data through other apps and stuff like that so i think as a part of a change i wouldn't necessarily go down the money dance anymore because there are these apps that do it for me already understood i think for me the changes that i make is uh you mentioned a point which reminded me is to keep a constant update on what is available on the market and what are the updates they have made especially like you have mentioned the traditional banks they up their games by providing this kind of uh, services in terms of their banking app so I can see them trying to incorporate this uh, value-adding service into their bank banking app and some of the time I think if I am stuck in my old traditional ways of budgeting and it's taking a lot of time, I might miss out on this uh, uh, improvement opportunity or leveraging on this kind of, uh, for example, you mentioned Emma. So I think only until you share with me, then I know that, oh, so these are the benefits that it can help me to do better in terms of budgeting and not necessarily spending more time, but actually save time as well uh, in terms of changes and stuff i would probably review my finances on a regular basis so that you understand what is coming in and what's going out to get to that point where you said about you generally know what's coming in and what's going so you don't need to categorize down to that level i wish i did that at the start as well so that i didn't feel like i needed to track things down to the nth degree in terms of categorizations Yes, data-wise, as I said, I'm a data horse. So I love it, but at the same time, the data's all good if it's there, but it's not really div- giving any value if I'm not looking at it constantly or using it in such a, uh, in some way. Even if we are looking at it 24/7, like what do you want to do with these figures, right? If we <laughs> we we don't want to get uh, paralyzed by the analysis and then or getting 
it's like watching looking at the stock market every single day and then hoping it to rise and fall <laughs> and then it affect our emotional mood that is not the I don't think that is the point it's also taught me a lesson to try and start early with my children in hopefully getting the value and the point across of why saving and money discipline is quite important so it's trying to i don't know bake it in as a a learning point for them so that hopefully they grow up with similar or even better starting point than i had however not doing it in such a way that it feels like school so <laughs> i haven't found any real tips or anything like that but i'm very conscious of it as well i think that's a good shout do you realize that like budgeting and personal finance is not covered in school it definitely wasn't when i went through school i think a lot of it kind of came from my own interest in some of these things and i i do know that's the case but it's also not surprising what scares me the most and probably there is a result of some of this is where people cite statistics about people where if they can't even afford a, a 200 pound or more sort of unexpected bill sort of thing and, and those types of things and, and that scares me but also it's not surprising that people are in that situation because either they're unfortunate but it's also the education part because they're not taught the same way and you could blame the parents in some ways but where is that line kind of thing and the, this, the circumstances in which your parents grew up in is probably a different one that you grew up in so therefore the things that they either were fortunate or unfortunate in having may not apply to you in terms of the same situation and stuff like that as well yeah i don't think we want to go down the road of blaming the parents but i i get your point that yeah sometimes as parents we may have neglected this part of education so i i think when you mention this it reminds me of a, a good way to educate the children at least in my own way is through game gaming if it's a if they like games and and it should be fun because a lot of people think that budgeting is oh it's just boring crunching numbers or maybe just trying to make sense out of the numbers but if you think in a sense that in some games that you play a role-playing game rpg or online games you have a limited resources and then that is where you need to budget in terms of you maybe you have a limited goal to to use it as a currency in the game or you have uh, limited coins that you earn from the the battles or the matches and then you need to spend the coins on uh, upgrades and stuff like that actually that is part of budgeting like allocating the resources don't you think that's quite interesting kind of thought process you have there and i i agree i played quite a lot of real-time strategy games when i was younger and that was all about balancing the resources you have versus the resources you can collect and the resources you were spending especially in a real-time strat it was time pressured as well so you had to think on your feet to adjust, adjust and adapt to the situations you're in so in some ways I, I the problem i have is now not a lot of games are in that genre anymore so i'm thinking of the classics like age of empires or red alert no one really plays those and the, the popular ones are more like first person shooters and even then as an example when i play counter-strike back in the day when 1.6 you had to buy the bullets or clips that you had but now they just give you the, the maximum amount at the start of each round so even there there is a 
there's economy to how you play it, but not to the same level of macro economy in the game itself anymore because it's more about the team budget as opposed to how much you will spend on buying the magazines and bullets that you needed. So in terms of gamification, I have a feeling that that has influenced in how I budget as well because I can see the similarities and and, and using those skills about balancing the resources. But again, nowadays, I don't see the same level of play uh, games that kind of focus on those sorts of areas anymore. I think there are still games out there that that uses this concept of budgeting and limited resourcing, especially when there's a lot of uh, pay-to-play kind of mechanism and people need to... Uh, it's a bit of a random factor the RNG factor, as you know, to to roll for your uh, lucky character or lucky hero or lucky weapon. So I guess in terms of, like, I understand what you're saying, that it's not as intense as before for some games, but it is just a link or conversation that you can have with your children or with, with, the, with the kids to relate that kind of currency. Because if you talk to them about just money terms they, if they're not getting any money but if you talk to them about fortnite you get the the gold or the coin then maybe maybe that is uh something that you can teach them via the principles yeah that's that's a very good point and one i'll probably take away as well that's it's quite an interesting thought around that okay so in summary what is uh today's key takeaways for people who are listening about budgeting it's definitely about learning money management early on and setting a a budget a realistic budget as well so taking some of those best practices like you mentioned one that i've taken away is things like having a aiming for a six-month buffer in terms of your income reviewing what you spend against the budget you set yourself don't and don't be too rigid about it also if you are in a relationship to hopefully you can have those open conversations early on i believe uh, a pbs youtube channel called two cents i follow is talking about money but they do it in, in such a way that's quite relatable and they're quite short and sharp and they talk about relationship and money i think it's one of the factors one of the big factors that causes a breakup as well so i think having that conversation up front will save you a lot of time down the line and yeah use the tools that you have available not to say Emma's the only one that's out there. I think Yoked is another one, for example. And look at what's there because things are, the, the apps are improving to the point where I'm also considering ditching um, something like a, a heavyweight app like a Money Dance to manage money. And and then in terms of future generations, having that conversations and also hopefully getting that point across to them as well so they get the best start and footing and also understanding where money comes from. I think you pretty much cover all the key takeaways, but I just have a few takes from my side. It's uh, keeping a lookout on the ways to budget and how to improve it. Like you say, not just obsessed with our current method. There's definitely a way to improve the way of budgeting. And budgeting is not, it does not need to be a boring or big exercise. It can be as easy as using like the app and then you can monitor it because a lot of people are on the mobile phones nowadays, so I don't see there's an excuse to say that it's a mundane task. And those figures definitely will, I would say, if you 
are able to have an estimate or at least you know how much you're spending or how much you're receiving the cash flow in and out understand the principles then you can evolve it into the next stage such as personal financing or investment so budgeting is pretty much the basic fundamental that you need to have before venturing into more uh, financing vehicles yeah it's the foundation i think as, as long as you've got that in place then you're on a good start to doing those sorts of things that you mentioned yep